And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. Click, click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Be sure to go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for a discounted rate. And Al, tell us what happened in the NBA this week. Andrew, this week was something else. On Friday night, the Portland Trail Blazers beat the Clippers 111-92 in what has been a Jekyll and Hyde season for Portland. They'd follow that win with three straight losses culminating in Dame reiterating his commitment to Portland and desire to win a championship there, despite his GM's inability to build a roster with any hope of doing so. (laughs) On Saturday night, the Miami Heat blew out the Memphis Grizzlies 129-103, which paired with a big win over Dallas has people excited about this Heat team. Tyler Hero, sixth man of the year, Jimmy Butler, MVP, Heat culture, real and not to be made fun of. On Sunday night, the Utah Jazz went on the road to Milwaukee and beat the defending champs 107-95. The Jazz once again look like a death machine in the regular season, best record in the league, destroying everyone, likely on their way to another number one seed. Andrew, is this the Jazz's year? No, no. Okay. (laughs) All right. On Monday night, the Boston Celtics lost their third game in a row, this time a 128-114 loss to the Chicago Bulls. After the game, Celtics guard Marcus Smart made news when he told reporters, quote, I can only do so much standing in the corner. Tatum and Brown don't want to pass the ball, and that's something they're going to learn. Was that the motivational shot in the arm Boston needed? Apparently so, because the Celtics would win their next two games this week, beating the Orlando Magic on Wednesday and holding the Miami Heat to 78 total points on Thursday. On Tuesday night, uh, nothing that interesting happened. There were a couple (laughs) games, there were five of them, but uh, none of them worth mentioning. Pass! On to Wednesday night, where the Sixers beat the Chicago Bulls 103-98. With a win over Detroit on Thursday, the Sixers are now 7-2, best offense in the league, on top of the Eastern Conference, despite missing Tobias Harris for three games, and despite not having Ben Simmons. A strange, awkward, beautiful team. And finally, (laughs) on Thursday night, you might as well clip my audio from last week's pod and reuse it, because it was deja vu, Andrew. LeBron James, now out one to two weeks with an abdominal strain, sat the second straight game against the lowly, pathetic, <laughs> this offends my sensibilities, <laughs> hashtag free Shay Oklahoma City Thunder. The Lakers once again got up big, leading by 19 in the first half, and once again the Thunder stormed back with the help of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who in the closing moments of the game drained a logo three, sending the Lakers to 5-4 and four overall and 1-2 and two without LeBron. The inevitable war between Lakers fran- fans and Russ stands has officially begun. What a week, Andrew. Man, a really, really fun week. And Al, uh, we all know that offense is down and defense is up this season due to all the rule changes. And perhaps, maybe it's the new basketball too. But how can hmm. we contextualize that, Al? We could start with field goal percentage going from 46% last season to 44% this season. Or what about three-point percentage going from 36% to 34%? Uh, free throw percentage is only down 1%, so not much. And then overall points per game are down from 112 per game to 107 per game. This is the lowest that number has been since the 2017-18 season. Now, Al, a stat that I found to be pretty interesting is fouls per game. Last season, the average was 19.3. How many fouls would you guess, Al, 
are being called on average this season if last season was a 19.3? Well, it must be lower. I'm going to guess uh, 13. 19.2, Al. We're only down one-tenth of a percentage point from last hmm. season. What's going on hmm. here, Al? I'm being told I there's less know. fouls being called, less whistles being blown. The numbers say no, that it's the exact same. That the flow, Everybody's like, flow of the game, there's less whistles. It's the same. I thought that was really, really interesting and something to kind of monitor. Cause it's, and maybe it's the type of fouls that are being called. Maybe it's just that the egregious fouls aren't being called anymore where you're pump faking and jumping into guys. Perhaps these are just basketball calls that are being made now to where we're not as aggrieved by it or frustrated by it because the fouls, the number of fouls being called is the exact same. I just found that to be unless it, pretty wild. Unless it's just the increase in the Euro foul. It's like balancing it out. We needed Perhaps. more bad fouls, and so the Euro foul has picked up the slack. There's a lot of Euro fouls. If you're watching, you know what, you know what that is if you're watching the game because it happens... I don't know how many times does it happen in a game right now. It's a lot, so perhaps perhaps that's making up for it. But still, the talk has been about how beautiful everything looks now, right? Like everybody's talking about that, and it's the same. I just found that to be kind of an interesting interesting stat. A few more stats: players that score twenty points or more. Last season, there were forty three players that scored twenty points or more per game. So far this season, how many do you think are scoring twenty points or more? Um, how many was it last year? 43. I, I'm going to cut that in half. I'll say 22. Wrong. Mm. 33, Al. 33. Oh, okay. Gosh, well, what about, I, I, there's all, there's all this doomsday talk about how, 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 you know, no one's scoring points anymore. Why would I not guess super low yeah. on all these? That's okay. That's okay. What about five plus free throw attempts per game? How many players are averaging five hmm. plus free throw attempts per game or more? There were 34 last season. How many are averaging five plus this season? Okay. I'm going to throw you for a loop and I'm going to guess the same number. 34. It's 20. Right, well, yeah. I've not caught on to this game yet. <laughs> what about assists? What about players that have five plus okay, assists okay. per game? There, are, there were okay. forty-eight last season that had uh-huh. five or more and assists per game. How many this season? Based, okay, based. I'm, I'm, I'm remembering what I answered the last time, so it should be right around thirty-six. That's much closer. I'll even give you a little ding because it's thirty-four. Thank you. <laughs> How about Thank teams? How about teams? How about teams that have an offensive 30, 30. an offensive teams that have an offensive rating above 105, 105. 105. Last season the 28 teams had an offensive rating of 105 or better. How many teams are 105 or better this season? Uh, I'll go 16. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll give you a 3 uh, three-team radius here. It's 19, okay. so I'll give it to you. There All you right. go. Very All nice. Right. Very nice. What about defensive rating? A 105 or a lower? Last season, or let's, let's start with actually this season. I want to see if you can guess last season. This season, there are 11 teams that have a defensive rating of 105 or lower. There were 11 of them. How many, how many last season were 105 or lower? Okay, I'm going to say three. You know, I'm going to have to give it to you. The answer is zero. Oh, wow. Nobody had really? a defensive rating that was 105. Pretty crazy. Bully that was, ball is back. It was the offensive explosion year. Because yeah, last season it felt like, oh, man, look at how crazy the offense is. Like, this is the changed NBA. This is new. And they changed like three rules. And it's like, oh, no, 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 we're back. <laughs> we're back to normal basketball again. Uh, it's pretty wild. Uh, okay, I have a couple more. What about 35%? Or better from three. There were uh, 24 teams last season that shot 35% or better. How about this season? How many teams are shooting 35% or better from three? Seven. The answer is 12, oh. Al. 12. Oh, come on. 12 teams. Half. Half the number of teams are shooting 35% or better. How about 45% from the field or better? Doesn't seem that hard. 25 teams How many? did that last year. Shot 45% or better. 25. 25 teams. Well, it would make sense to just cut it in half. So, yeah, 13. You're in the radius. It's 16 teams that are shooting 45% right. or better this season. So, 
in conclusion, Al, defense matters again. No more of these silly loopholes to get the offense going. And I think that teams are going to have to recalibrate a little bit over the course of the season. So I think, obviously, this is still a pretty small sample, but we're seeing some trends uh, from this season to last season that the offense is taking a, a step back and the defense matters again. So I think that's a good thing for the NBA. I think all I think a lot of people that didn't like the NBA were turned off by a lot of these silly fouls. So I do think that the NBA product is overall better, even if some of these numbers may be a little bit surprising. Well, and the other thing is, like, if, if this keeps up, if this persists for multiple seasons in a row, I wonder if when you go to, you know, guys' basketball reference stat pages, will, like, last year stand out? Yeah. Will it be kind of like this steroid era in baseball <laughs> where you can, like, see this clear demarcation from when, like, the offense was just running amok, there was no defense, and then what we have now, which just feels kind of normal now. Because yeah. we, we've been talking about it. like We've been using Colin Sexton and Darius Garland as examples, yep. but there's a lot of young players that are this way where the stats they were putting up last year are like historically great. Mm-hmm. And what do we do with them? And so it'll be interesting to see by the end of this year, is that still the case? Are guys still putting up highly efficient numbers, or do we get back to some kind of normalcy? Yeah, it's intriguing. It's, it's great to see rule changes that, that work and do what they're intended to do. And now we just got to get rid of the Euro foul and then speed up the end of the game. Yeah. Can't do these like 30 minute, 20 seconds. We're we're inching closer to the perfect game of basketball. The perfect game. Okay, Andrew, uh, for my segment, back in the preseason, I attempted to predict this year's surprise team, the team that would beat their low over under by at least 10 wins. Surprise teams happen every year. They come out of nowhere to shock us. And on that episode of Slam and Jam, through much whittling, I landed on the Cleveland Cavaliers as my pick, who are now 5-4 and four and look like they have a realistic shot to fulfill this prophecy. Yeah. And I have to imagine if any Cavs fans were listening to that episode, they probably felt pretty good. Hey, this random guy through a series <laughs> of completely arbitrary decisions picked my team to do great this season. Neat. Yeah. Well, Andrew, what if we did the opposite today? What if instead of making a random fan base feel good, I voluntarily enraged a random fan base who is currently feeling great about their team? Because for every surprise team, there is also a fake surprise team, a team who's similar to our surprise team most didn't have in the playoff picture heading into the season, but are now sitting pretty in their respective conference. The team that tricks us into thinking they're a surprise team early in the season only to disappoint us in the end, we devote entire podcast segments to these teams at this time of the year, getting excited for their often downtrodden fans who finally have a real team to root for, only for that team to turn around and stab them in the back. So is it possible to identify which team is most likely to be this year's fake surprise team, Andrew? That was my task this week. First, I wanted to look back historically to make sure this was a real thing. So Basketball Reference has this cool feature where you can see what the standings looked like on a specific date in NBA history. So, for mm-hmm. instance, you can go back to week three of the 2013-14 season and relive the incredible 6-3 and three start from the Minnesota Timberwolves. The K-Love Rubio Wolves had finally broken through. The playoffs were coming. And while that team would finish with the best record of that Wolves era, they would once again miss the playoffs, setting up the K-Love trade that next offseason. Going back a decade, I was able to find a fake surprise team every single season. What I looked for were teams projected to be a 500 or worse team in the preseason who then surprised everyone and were a top four seed in their conference seven to ten games into the season and who, of course, then went on to miss the playoffs completely. And every single season, going back ten years, I found one of those teams. What about last year? Do you remember who last year's fake surprise team was? Who are we talking about at this time? Hmm. Fake surprise Do you team remember? last year. Oh, my gosh. Look at them. Oh. <laughs> Is something different? Is something different about them? Who are we talking about? Who are we saying that about? Oh, uh, I don't remember. It was the Orlando Magic who had gotten oh. off to a 6-2 and two start before Markel Fultz tore his ACL in the team class, yeah. which brings up an important point. And I'm sure some listeners are wondering, hold on, were all these just teams who fell off solely because of a major injury to a key player? 
Are you really going to predict a significant injury, you sicko? Don't worry. <laughs> this isn't that type of show. Though, check out my other podcast, Predicting Injuries with Alex, if you're interested in that. <laughs> also, we're talking about Markel Fultz, too. Like, okay, you know. But, I mean, still. But more importantly, most of the time, a major injury was not the primary reason these teams drop off. In fact, looking at those 10 fake surprise teams over the past decade, only two were triggered by a major injury. So it was last year's Magic team, and then the 2012-13 Timberwolves, that was when Caleb, he actually missed the beginning of the season when they got off to their hot start. Mm -hmm. He came back, and then he missed the entire second half of the season with a knee injury. For all the other teams, I would argue that a major injury was not the primary reason for a team disappointing. Even in the case of the 14-15 Kings, remember this team? This was oh, I do. peak Kangs. Yep. Yes, DeMarcus Cousins missed 10 games, but blaming it all on that is letting that Kings team off the hook. Because by the time Boogie got back, they had fired Michael Malone, installing yep. Ty Corbin, who wouldn't finish the season because they wanted George Carl George so Carl. bad, who, yeah. pro who prompted Boogie to tweet out the infamous snake in the grass emoji tweet. This was also the year that they drafted Nick Stauskas, a bad pick that could have been just a bad pick, but was instead memorialized when the Kings voluntarily allowed a documentary crew from Grantland to film their pre-draft process. Which, as an aside, if you are new to the NBA and you want to learn about the biggest moments in this league's history, please go watch the Grantland Kings doc on YouTube. The point is, there was Nick a lot rocks. else going on. Nick rocks. There was a lot else going on besides Boogie missing 10 games. Uh, one more note before we hear the contenders for this year's fake surprise team. Obviously, the play-in tournament has muddied this somewhat because uh, now yeah. a 10th place finish is cause for celebration, mm -hmm. viewed as a success. That said, seven of the 10 fake surprise teams that I looked up finished 11th or worse in their respective conference. Okay. okay? So all that in mind... Are you ready to hear this year's contenders for title of fake surprise team? I can't wait. Okay, there are six contenders. So as a reminder, these are teams with a preseason over-under around 500 or lower who were a top four seed at some point seven to ten games into this season. The Memphis Grizzlies, the Chicago Bulls, the Toronto Raptors, the Washington Wizards, the New York Knicks, and while I'm stretching the criteria a little bit because they had a higher over-under, I would like to include the Dallas Mavericks as a candidate as well, <laughs> which I'll explain why. You're about to do somebody dirty, Al. That's what it feels like to me. We'll, we'll see. Okay, before I start giving you details to help you and I make this decision, do any of those teams immediately jump out to you? Just first <sighs> blush, who seems fake? Any of them? You believe in, in all of them? It's it's tough. I mean, I, I don't want to throw tough. the Raptors under the bus. That feels like the most like, okay. likely candidate, but I'm not going to. I just don't know why you want to include your Cleveland Cavaliers in this conversation. So that's the thing. The Cavs do not qualify because they were never a top four seed in the okay. conference. Seven to ten games. Same with the Timberwolves, who have been another one of these like surprise teams. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out they have a below 500 record while having the easiest strength of schedule in the league. They might just not be good. Okay, first clue. We can look at who they've beaten because some mm -hmm. teams really stand out here. On the one hand, Memphis has beaten Golden State, their only loss, along with Denver twice. Chicago had that signature win over Utah, their only loss. The Knicks had a really impressive win over the Sixers, who have only lost twice. On the other hand, teams like Toronto and Washington have similar caliber of wins beating other Eastern Conference teams that are also around 500, but really no standout signature wins. Like you could say the Hawks but the Hawks are kind of weird right now. Like, they're they're a 500 team. Yeah. And then there's Dallas, whose best win was over Toronto. The other mm -hmm. four, Houston, Sacramento, and San Antonio twice. And more importantly, <laughs> they were blown out in every single game so far against a likely playoff team. Hmm, yeah. Something to keep in mind. Okay, what about overall strength of schedule? Do you know who has had the toughest schedule in the league so far this year? All 30 teams. Who do you think it is? I don't know. It's Memphis. Memphis. The five and three Memphis Grizzlies. Hardest schedule in the league. I say that's a point in their book. Of these teams, the hardest schedules have been for the, or I should say the easiest schedules have been for the Bulls, mm -hmm. who had the 19th hardest schedule, and the Knicks, who have had the 21st hardest schedule. Okay, something to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Next little piece of evidence. Are there any of these teams who are just getting lucky right now? For that, we turn to opponent three-point percentage, a stat that is thought to be pretty random. 
though the Knicks last year were famously great against the three for much of the season. This is like all we were talking about this time. Yeah, No one could hit threes against the Knicks. Turns out they were just a really good defense. When it comes to this stat, only one team stands out, and it's the Washington Wizards. Teams are shooting the fourth worst percentage from three in the league against them currently. Hmm. All our other contenders, they're getting no such luck. They're in the bottom half of the league for opponent three-point percentage. Lastly, offensive and defensive efficiency. Is there anything that stands out here? Maybe something that seems too good to be true or a team that already isn't good despite their hot start. A few things stand out to me. One, Memphis has the seventh best offense. Is that sustainable? Maybe not, but on the other hand, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league currently. So you have to figure, well, maybe that will improve. Similarly, the Knicks are the third best offense. Again, it seems high, but on the flip side, they're the 25th ranked defense. It's hard to believe a Tibbs coach team would end up that low. Chicago is currently one of the few teams in the league that is top 10 in both offense and defense, boasting the ninth ranked offense, fifth ranked defense. Toronto is fourth, 14th in offense, fourth in defense. The Zards seem pretty mediocre based mm-hmm. on their efficiency stats. 15th in offense, 13th in defense, and finally, the Mavericks. Yeah. Currently 5-3. and three. We told you what their schedule was. They're currently 27th in offense and 16th in defense. The Dallas Mavericks are 27th in offense. Jason Kidd has turned a team with Luka Doncic into a bottom five offense. That's unbelievable. Right. Compared to the so where they were it. last year, I mean, that is that is honestly unbelievable that he's done. Dude, they were, they were fire, eight. Fireable offense. Dude, they, they were, were the, eight last two, year. Two years ago, they were the greatest offense of all time. Yeah. And now? They're, bottom five. Uh, <laughs> with, again, with that schedule. And it's because they're getting blown out. Like, they got blown out by the Heat, by yeah. the Hawks. Uh, there was one other team. Okay. So that is the evidence for all these candidates. Before I reveal my pick, Andrew, do you have any guesses or do you have a personal pick? Based on everything yeah. you've heard. Yeah, it's just hard to imagine the Mavericks actually missing I would the agree. playoffs. Um, I just wonder if maybe that Knicks magic of last year, is it is it real? Mm. So maybe that's is maybe that's the one I would go with. So, like you, going into this exercise, I expected to pick the Raptors on Raptors week. But after watching them, I really think this team is too good defensively. Like, maybe they're not a top-five defense, but looking at their personnel, is it really that crazy? Like, they have an identity in a way that some of these other teams do not. And they're missing one of their best players. Exactly. And you factor them, they're going to get him back at some point. And all of a sudden, I actually feel, like, pretty bullish on the Raps. I do, too. So... Instead, I am going with the Washington Wizards Okay, for a few reasons. One, I like the idea of picking an Eastern Conference team because I think the East is deeper than the West, and some team is going to finish outside of the play-in that is going to be surprising. Like, Just go look at the standings right now. Yeah. Really, it's Detroit and Orlando. There's going to be two more teams, and any of them are going to be surprising. Like Maybe right now you say, oh, the Pacers look really bad. Okay, you still have to pick one more team. Like Boston, like that would be surprising. Atlanta, obviously, would be surprising. I mean, Cleveland I wouldn't think, be surprising. I know that's your your pet. Yes, they team, would. Yes, they would. Yes, they would. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay. Uh, second, they're getting some early luck with the opponent three point percentage, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Third, their efficiency numbers really aren't that impressive in a w- any way, despite only one of their wins being against an above five hundred team, which was the Raptors. I'm not buying it, Andrew, and for that reason, I am boldly predicting that the Washington Wizards will completely miss the playoffs and are this year's fake surprise team. And by the way, wow. guess who they play tonight? Friday night. Hmm. The Memphis Grizzlies. Ooh. Beating a, they got to beat a real team tonight. They got to beat a real team. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm out, I'm, out on the, I'm out on the Wiz. I'm sorry. That's okay. I apologize. Had, I had to choose someone, and based on history, it's going to be someone. There will be somebody. I do like the Wizards' depth, and but yeah, you could. I could see them. To me, it's probably them or the Knicks, and the Knicks would probably be could be injury related too. Uh, and also, they just they just struck gold last year. I don't know how they did it, but they just did. They just kind of meshed this team together and became a good basketball team. So I could see either one of them doing that. So uh, all right, Al. Right after this quick break, we're going to talk to Tass Mellis of No Dunks 
about the Toronto Raptors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, Andrew, it is time for the Wheel of Fandom. This past week, the Wheel of Fandom landed on the Toronto Raptors. Last Friday, when we spun that digital wheel, the Raptors were 2-3. and three. They were on a one-game winning streak. But after that wheel was spun, Andrew... The Raptors caught fire, winning all four games this past week. Orlando, at Indiana, at New York, at Washington. The last two wins, their two most impressive wins, without star rookie Scotty Barnes. All of this without Pascal Siakam. The Raptors are on fire and currently occupy the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Andrew, if our Wheel of Phantom team is the Toronto Raptors, who is our guest today? Podcast legend, Tass Mellis of No Dunks. Tass, what's up? Beautiful intro, Andrew. I appreciate that, man. What's going on, guys? Man, so glad you could join. None of this would be happening without you guys. And, I, and I've, I'm sure you guys get that a lot about NBA podcasts. But we, we came to your No Season Required tour in OKC back in the day. I don't know. There were like 30 of us that huddled <laughs> into that t-shirt shop. But you guys, you, you guys have been an inspiration to us. And so I just wanted to, to say that. And thank you for, well. for doing what you guys do. That's very humbling. Very, very humbling. I thought you were going to say this Raptors streak couldn't have happened without us, which I, I tend to believe. Right. Uh, <laughs> let's talk Scotty Barnes. He's been fantastic. And I just want to talk about how you and the Raptors fans felt just from draft night to now, because I think there was a different feeling come draft night, even though he looked super fresh walking across that stage. There was, it kind of felt like that the Raptors left something on the table, not taking like a Jalen Suggs or, or somebody else. But as a, as a Raptors fan since the beginning, is this the most excited that you've been for a rookie? Wow. Let's go back for a rookie. Yeah, I think if we're going way, way back, you know, my 14 year old self was pretty pumped that Mighty Mouse, a guy with the, you know, the, the moniker Mighty Mouse was coming through. Uh, but uh, as far as, yeah, a rook, I mean, yeah, even even Vince didn't have, um, I mean, there, that was the lockout year and, yeah. and Vince didn't have the, uh, you know, an incredible reputation other than being an athlete like right away. Scotty Bards, yeah, it's, it's been really good. Uh, I think I sort of benefited from not really watching the college game. I know, Andrew, you're, you're a college head. But, you know, when the comparison came up of, of Jalen Suggs versus Scotty Barnes and, and, you know, Suggs being the more polished player, I kind of just put my trust in Masai and trust in the Raptors developmental team and, and trust in that they drafted the, the, the best player, the guy with the highest ceiling, I guess, and the fact that they could develop a player. And so, obviously, the way he's come in and is just – Ultra confident. Of course, the skill sets are all there. That basically can do most things on a basketball floor. But you know, willing to take a three-point pull-up three-point shot and that kind of thing, without the hubris of uh, you know a lot of rookies. I, I think he you know he plays with it himself. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I couldn't expect it. I couldn't have expected more. No, no doubt. Um, but you got me thinking about if there's another rookie that I've been this excited <laughs> about. What uh, about yeah. Mark Nani when, when no. he was the number one? No, no way. No, I mean, that, that was that was angry. Those were angry times uh, because that was Bosch. What about Bosch? Nah, I mean Bosch. You know, it was sort of wrapped in the the whole LeBron draft. I mean, obviously Bosch yeah. was was great, but you know, there's so many names around him um, with you know yeah. everything going on there. The the Bargnani one is is wild because you know it was. Uh, the year after high schoolers 
could be taken the year just after the last year that high schoolers could be taken. And so if it just extended one more year and KD entered in 06 instead of 07, things would have been Mm. a little bit different. Uh, You know, I was definitely high on the the Bargnani. Yeah, I bought in for sure. You know, this this guy who could do it all, modern day player and all that. I mean, he'd he'd be thriving right now. Sam Presti would take a flyer on him, right? (laughs) Maybe so. Were you were you chanting Scotty's better in your living room uh, when they played the Magic the other night? Um, No, I'm uh, I'm not not can't jump out. I mean, I just I just love this whole team. I just love the squad. I think probably like you guys are feeling about OKC. I. I, I just love the way they play together, and and Scotty will never. I don't know if he'll ever like want to be that that number one type of like I'm taking all the shots type of guy, and that's kind of mm-hmm. you know something I love about him, and something that works perfectly with Fred VanVleet and with Pascal Siakam when he comes back, and with OG. These dudes are all good dudes, and that's kind of why you put faith in Masai as a Raptors fan. I, I'm sure most Raps fans were in that boat. I think you know there there was a. I'm sure a handful of people there. There were there. There's some some people in the WhatsApp chat yelling about Suggs and why why they didn't draft Suggs. But I think most people, for the most part, just had faith in him joining a team of guys that are sort of like minded and and yeah, just just love playing ball. As we can see with Scotty's smile every time he gets on the floor. Yeah. You mentioned OG, who uh, his most improved player campaign got a huge boost this week when he had a career high 36 points against the Knicks. His defense has never been a question. He he has much larger offensive role this season without Lowry, without Siakam. How are you feeling about OG's offense so far? And do you think he could be a legitimate number two, let's say, offensive option going forward? Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I love him. I love what he brings to the table, obviously. Uh, can he be a number two guy? I'll say yes. I'm not. I'm, I cannot say no right now with the, the high that I'm feeling. Uh, I... I wonder, um, you know, is, is the consistency going to be there? But it's it's hard as a Raps fan not to lump him in, as you said, Alex, about you know the most improved ideal, not to lump him in with Pascal Siakam and just seeing the player development that happened with Pascal Siakam, how he grew into an all-NBA player and how OG could do the exact same thing. Uh, you know, the sidestep threes, uh, the the handle improvement, obviously defensively, as you said. So, yeah, somebody else ideally would be more of a, the on-the-ball type of guy to create. Uh, but uh, as a secondary guy, it's it's hard not to put him in the, in the Pascal group, and I'm still a Pascal believer, as that, like, secondary guy that can, uh, yeah, if there's, you know, there's a little bit more gravity towards one guy, yeah, why not? Why can't it be uh, OG Ananobi? I know it's it's putting a lot of faith into the Raptors' developmental system and, and putting a lot of faith into these first nine games, but um, why the heck not? After watching it, um, after watching Pascal Siakam and what he did, I, I don't see why not. So Fred Van Vliet, another crazy success story for the Raps is not only leading the Raptors in minutes, but the entire league in minutes played. Uh, he's helped lead this team in this 5-0 and stretch and is playing really well on both ends. Uh, how sustainable do you think this is? And if it is, is it possible that he makes the All-Star game? Ooh, baby. Uh, I think Fred has been underrated you know, throughout the league this year. I, I think uh, he did have sort of a poor start, and so uh, I would say that, yeah, it's sustainable. I don't think his numbers are um, out of this world quite yet. Yeah, he's playing a lot, uh, you know, 39 minutes a game. But he, he can keep these numbers up. And, and I think um, he has been looking for this, you know, since, uh, you know, coming under Kyle's wing. Uh, I think he's been ready to, to take this next step. And in every speech that he gives or every press conference that he gives, which I am listening quite attentively to because this guy is a quote. This guy is thoughtful after sweating for 39 minutes. I mean, he really brings the quotes. He's, he is, he's a great, great guy. And I think, yeah, I think that's, it is sustainable as far as the All-Star game goes. Yeah, it's one of those situations where it's kind of pick your All-Star and Fred would probably be the guy from this team. And I say pick your All-Star because it's kind of a a team by a committee that gets it done by a committee. Um, I'm a huge Cavs fan at this point. I, I, you know, I went out there and said something dumb at when, uh, when I watched FIBA Rubio do his thing in the summer, I thought Rubio could sort of be that guy on a, 
uh, a team that does it by committee, he would be the all-star, the guy who would get the all-star appearance, especially if Colin Sexton left now. It's sort of different right now with all those guys just being really good. It's the, the Raptors are similar to me, and I think, yeah, I think Fred could do it. And I don't know, Andrew, you're, 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 you're a basketball head don't you think fred can do this i i like he's not I think so he's not setting the world on fire here I mean, his numbers are like 19 7 and 5 i don't see why he couldn't yeah if if they're like firmly in the playoff mix like he's the guy yeah you know i can't disagree i wanted to ask you about uh team building because the raptors coming into the season their over under was about 35 wins on most sites now they're six and three they're looking like a playoff team after the most recent win, Matt Moore of the Action Network tweeted, if Masai wants to move the team towards a championship, he's going to have to trade a bunch of guys. They're too good to get the pick they'll need. Now, in defending this tweet, he referenced Masai's own comments this summer about pivoting the team's direction. I'm guessing you disagree with this, but what are your current feelings about the direction of this team and how they should proceed going forward? Well, I think you can do both at the same time. I don't necessarily disagree with Matt Moore. I think you can still have the trajectory of having good, capable players. The players we've mentioned are all really good core players, and it's it's not all that different than when they decided in, in 2018 that we've got to go in another direction, trade one of our stars for another star in, in DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. So I think that can um, be the trajectory. It does not necessarily have to be with the draft pick. Or you could package draft picks to get another draft pick. I, I, the Raps have uh, sort of like the Hawks. They're they're deep. I mean, the Hawks are even deeper, so they they could they have the assets to pull off a trade. While the Raps, they do too, but they have less less than the the Atlanta Hawks. But I, I could see two different roads. You know, you could package a, a draft pick with one of these very very good players to get a, a star player, sort of like they did with Demar for Kawhi Leonard. Uh, or yeah, if you if you go the tank route, I, I don't I don't see them doing that though. I, I just don't think Masai signed an extension months ago to to all of a sudden go in a completely different direction. Not gonna happen. And, mm-hmm. And some people will say, uh, well, he almost did that when he traded Kyle Lowry a long time ago, but that's, that was a different era. This is a championship team. They have got a reputation to uphold, and it's just great to say that because they won one championship <laughs> in 25 <laughs> years. But I, I do think it's partially true. I, I don't think Masai in any way, shape, or form wants to rebuild. It's just, it's just not his flow. It's not his MO. I, you, know, you, look at, you look at Masai and his... Uh, and, and, and the way he carries himself, I just don't see him taking a step back again after signing an extension at the very last minute here in Toronto. I don't think he's, I don't think he's long for a a five-year rebuild. Yeah. And that's kind of how it was even going back to when Masai first came to Toronto, everyone was always anticipating when is he going to blow it up? When he's going to blow it up? And it never really happened. And it feels like it's just kind of been consistent through his whole tenure in Toronto, that, that period, that tanking point has never arrived that people were expecting way back yeah. in the beginning and uh, yeah and he's if it ha- if yeah there was a trade on the table way back when that would help them help propel them to uh to that level then he would have made it out he, i think i think he would have rebuilt it's, it's not out of the question but i i understand what matt moore is saying um but uh, I, I just i guess matt moore is also saying it you know uh early in this win streak where they're setting the league on fire. They're not really setting the league on fire, but uh, you know, the fact that they've, they're showing that they're better than, than lines makers thought at 35 and a half, as you said, they're, they weren't given a chance to win, to make the playoffs. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, these dudes, yeah, we're so quick to forget. They had, I, I do think you should put some stock into them playing in Tampa for a year. And mm-hmm. that's why, in part, they were so bad. But these guys are very, very good uh, players. We're talking about a Fred Van Vliet who is, yeah, a borderline all-star when things are going really well. Pascal Siakam did reach all-NBA level a couple of years ago. OG Ananobi has potential to be an all-star as well. Scotty Barnes, who knows where their ceiling is. So how do you tank with that if you're if they're on the same page? Uh, I think you're you're making a mistake, uh, and there's still there still is 
room to maneuver. Uh, Masai loves to pull the trigger on a trade. And who the heck knows when uh, a star may come available in the league. And Masai, as as he showed with a guy in DeMar DeRozan who had been there for nine years and was a fan favorite, and it really tore the hearts out of a lot of Raptors fans, he traded him just like that. So he would be willing to trade uh, somebody on this roster as well if it meant that he could you know, move up in the draft or, you know, get a star. Yeah, all, all their ages, it, it doesn't make sense to trade them at the age that all of these guys are at. You know, with the Thunder, you had like this older Chris Paul, where it's like, okay, like he, how much longer is he actually going to be good? And also the fact like Chris Paul didn't want to stay in Oklahoma City past that year. Uh, it seems like you have a, a younger group that's more committed. That would be, I mean, to tear that down, you'd just be trying to get some of the same guys that you just traded like right, right afterwards. Yeah, I mean, uh, to, get, to go for a, a top-level player, I think we are, you know, as much as I, as I love this roster, I mean, there is, a, there is a bit of a gap between a superstar player and, and the guys that we're mentioning. Uh, you know, the hope is that Pascal can reach the levels that he, he reached as an All-NBA player, and who knows what the ceiling is on OG or Scotty. But there is a gap between a superstar they don't have and somebody on the roster. So again, it's kind of like 18 in 2018 where Masai made the made the move for a superstar. So, um yeah, I, I don't if you got to tear it down, you'd have to tear down a lot and it would just yeah. it would be a several moves, but I think it, you're I think they're closer to the other way where they would you know, look at somebody who who is available like Kawhi came available in 2018. Where where are you at with Simmons? And and the thought of trading for him you have there's tons of pieces that could be used for a Ben Simmons trade he seems to fit at least stylistically what the Raptors like to do you know, they lead the league in deflections you know he he would come in and you know you know increase that so like where where are you at and like what's the feeling amongst the Raptors fan base about that kind of trade I think there's some reluctance I would say that's the best word uh, I think the Raps are showing that they're a pretty darn good defensive team right now, as is, and Ben Simmons would help propel them, but I think they have uh, bigger needs. Higher on the priority list is uh, a bucket getter, maybe a big. Yeah. So I think um, somebody who's on the ball can and can create, uh, you know, they've got so many wings. Some wings, I know Ben Simmons isn't classified as a wing, but so many huge guys with the wingspan mm-hmm. of Ben Simmons. And that's, it's, yeah. uh, you know, I can't speak for every Raptors fan, but uh, I'll speak for them. I think they're, I think they're leaning in a different direction at this point. I mean, I'm talking now as a six and three, uh, a fan <laughs> of a six and three team, you know, it was different a week ago when Alex <laughs> ran through that. That seems like a lifetime ago that they, you know, ripped off uh, five in a row. But again, uh, I think, where they played last year, it just took them a couple of weeks here in Toronto, and they still don't have Pascal Siakam. <laughs> they, he still hasn't even stepped on the floor, and he's scheduled or believed to be uh, coming back in the next couple of weeks, um, you know, in mid-November-ish. So that's what they're looking for, and and uh, and they're aiming, uh, you know, in a different direction than Ben. I mean, maybe it was different a month ago, um, but there's a lot of parts right now that they feel good about. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, final question, Tass. Yeah. As a longtime Raps fan and representative of the Raps fan base, you know as well as anyone how disrespected Toronto has been during their time in the NBA. Always you bet. brushed aside, ignored, fans of other team wondering when the good players on the Raps were going to leave Toronto. With that in mind, do you support the Raptors fans who tweet hashtag free Shea after every Oklahoma City game? <laughs> Do you support the Raptors fans who have turned in to the Canadian version of Lakers and Knicks fans trying to steal away stars from small markets? When Canadians do it, it's it's cute, though, isn't it? It's nice. What? <laughs> yeah. They do it in a non-New York way, a non-LA way. Uh, no, I, I do not support it. I do not support Free Shea. I want Shea to, to grow, and I'm not just saying this to you guys. Uh, I, I'm not a fan. I, I, I hope, and I, I, I really do hope that Shea stays and makes it work. Uh, I, I don't know how much, how much longer can Shea be happy? You guys know better than I do. I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not saying he's unhappy because yeah. he signed that extension. He wants to be there. He wants to to build a team, 
And I know you guys have talked about OKC not as a team. They have. It seems like they've been doing this for a long time, but it is a shorter time than and most of us actually realize. But is there a is there a threshold? Is there some at some point? It's twenty twenty one here. Is there, yeah, is there a date? The, mm-hmm. There is, but we we need we need like one crumb of evidence. Like we need him. Like how Carl Anthony Towns had the uh, like on the tweet this week. We need something like that to feel bad about this in any way because we just have not heard one peep from Shea's camp that they're unhappy or, you know, not Mm -hmm. down with Presti's plan at all. So until that happens, we'll probably feel this way. Yeah. He's incredibly pleasant to be around. I've been around him a bunch this year, and he's just a delight. You know, if he was acting like Darius Baisley was uh, in a press conference before the game where, like, Baisley, like, gave even one-word answers to, like, Thunder employees, you know, that are asking him questions. Then I would be like, oh, okay, like maybe maybe there is going to become a point where this becomes untenable. But he gets in front of us and he's he'll answer any question. He's really like well-spoken, thoughtful, takes his time, smiles a lot. Like I just don't get any sense that that's where he's at. And I think that he also kind of likes the situation that he's in because the Thunder are giving him an opportunity to spread his wings and to do really whatever he would like on the court. And no, for the most part, fair. like it's it's a good it's a good thing for him and his career. I like does I don't know how many teams he gets to do what he did last night against the Lakers. You know, he's I think if he's on a different team, he's probably like second or third fiddle on mm-hmm. a, like a really good team. So, I think he enjoys it. I think he likes taking the the logo 3 from the L, giving the <laughs> Lakers the L last night. I think he likes that. No, for, uh, for sure. I Yes, it's it's the the casual fan uh, that is tweeting free Shea and doesn't realize that you know Shea Gilgis Alexander didn't come into the league like this. Unlike Carl Anthony Towns, he didn't come yeah. in with the uh, the expectations that he was going to be a superstar. And True. so last year was his first year, you know, flirting with that. I would say, although you know he's been coming on for a couple of years, and this being year three with OKC, so I, I think there's more time than. Then the casual fan, or even me, really gives the situation. I, I'm with you. There's, there's still, there's lots of time, um, and it, it's he just he obviously signed up for this, <laughs> so he yeah. knows that they're yeah. going to be bad. He signed up with the idea that uh, as long as Sam Presti is you know, building around him, uh, I guess mm-hmm. we're all just as casuals, um, as casual OKC fans, I should say. I'm not a casual, but I'm a casual OKC fan. I, I, I don't follow every single move on the floor, but. Um, as long as they're building, I'm sure he's fine with that. Uh, I just year in and year out, if they're telling him to sit out, then that's yeah. a different story. Uh, but yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's not, it. Doesn't seem like that's even going to happen with with this roster at all. Uh, I'm guessing. I don't. Uh, do you guys see that same thing that happened last year with Horford and Shea and uh, I guess I don't know. I'm probably forgetting somebody where they told him to sit down. Happening this yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, I think that they'll be cautious with him if he gets hurt again. You know, I think that that is a certainty, that they're not going to force the issue with him to get back on the court, you know, when he's 85% of or when he's just cleared. I think that they want him to be 100% and that they want the start of his career in OKC to to go well with regards to health. So if he if he has another injury, will they sit him out maybe longer than the average player sits out? Probably. But if he doesn't get hurt, I don't see them shutting him down. Okay. Yeah. And that happens to that happens to stars all the time too, where they yeah. I think I think we forget yeah. that. Um, yeah, you if if somebody is not a hundred percent, they sit out sit out a little bit longer than needed, I would say. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redding. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash 
or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, Tess, thank you for answering all of our questions, but it is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat, our weekly game show, trivia show, where Andrew goes head-to-head with a beat writer, or in this case, a super fan, Tass Mellis from the No Dunks Podcast. Now, Tass, how this works, uh, I've come up with eight trivia questions all about the Raptors. You will get first pick. You just choose a number between one and eight. It'll correspond to a question. Maybe easy, maybe hard. You get it right, you get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew have a chance to steal. For one, we'll go back and forth. And I think this might be the first time where our contestant, you've literally been a Raptors fan for their entire history. Isn't that correct? So any question question I could answer, you were alive (laughs) for and engaged with the team. Mm -hmm. So put some Mm -hmm. pressure on you. Okay, there we go. uh, So it starts off, Tess. Just pick a number between one through eight. Uh, Let's get warm. Uh, Give me a six. Number six. During the 2008-2009 season, Jose Calderon set the NBA record for highest free throw percentage in a single season at 98.1%. At one point during the season, Calderon hit this many free throws in a row, a number which also happens to be the birth year of former Raptor Amir Johnson. So I gave you some clues there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I would say... Ooh, uh, 87. Tass, that is absolutely correct for two <laughs> points. <laughs> right oh, on the board. That was a nice, nice little uh, hint at the end there. He gave it to me, <laughs> handed it to me. We were just talking about the last year that players, high school players could be drafted. Amir Johnson was yeah. part of that class in 2005. Yeah. Math, 87. Math. Great job. <laughs> Math. <laughs> All right, uh, Andrew, your turn. Uh, Let's go one. (laughs) Question number one. Which Toronto Raptor holds the franchise record for most points scored in a game by a rookie? What about Jonas Valanciunas? What about him? No. Tess, you have a chance to steal for one point. Who was it? You know what? If uh, I answered first, I'm sure I would have got it wrong. But you gave me the time to guess Charlie Villanueva. That oh. is right. For oh. One point. I vaguely remember that. Wow. Andrew, you're in a danger zone. Tess is up three zero, and it is, yeah, is it is your good. turn, Tess. All right. Um, let's go four. Question number four. While last year may have been a season to forget for the Raptors, the team did set a pretty impressive record. 
The Raptors had 10 different players score at least 30 points in a game last season, something that had never been done before. We're going to try to name them all. Now, how this works, Tess, you will give me a name of someone, then Andrew will give me a name. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. So these are the 10 Raptors from last year's team that scored 30 points in a game. Fred Van Vliet. That is correct. Over to Andrew. Uh, Pascal Siakam. That is correct. Back to Tess. <laughs> OG Ananobi. That is correct. Andrew. Uh, Norm Powell. Norm Powell did it. All right, you've gotten four of them. Back to Tess. Gary Trent Jr. That is correct. Five out of the ten. Back to Andrew. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, the obvious one. You've now gotten six. Forgot about Kyle Lowry. Four Um, names left. Oh, there's ten. Wow. Uh, This should be not as hard as it is. Oh, man. I've got one in mind, but am I that dumb to play it now? Um... I'll say it because I can't. Why can't I think of anybody else on this freaking roster? Malachi Flynn? Malachi Flynn, that is incorrect. Andrew, you got a point. The other four names Chris Boucher. Right. Jalen Harris. Stanley Johnson. (laughs) No. and, And Andrew, current two way player for the Oklahoma City Thunder, Paul Paul Watson. Watson. All right. No. Wow. That, that's that's kind of a wild feat for a team to do. He, he must yeah. have hit a ton of threes. Okay, Andrew, yeah. you're back in it. It's three to one, and it is your question. Uh, number two. Question number two. When the new Toronto basketball franchise was deciding on a team name, they held a name the team contest, collecting hundreds of names before whittling down the list to ten finalists. Which of the following names was not? One of the ten finalists. Was it foxes, tarantulas, T-Rex, grizzlies, or hogs? Once again, foxes, tarantulas, T-Rex, grizzlies, or hogs? Which of those was not one of the final ten? How about foxes? Foxes, Andrew, that is correct. That was not one of them. They could have been the hogs. How fun would that have been? <laughs> it's too hard to say foxes. Toronto foxes. I don't know. That's true. I actually worried about that when I came up with that name. Yeah, that it was you should have. You should have worried a little bit more. But the fox <laughs> logo could be so cute. Okay, Tess, it is a tie game. Nice. Your choice. All right. Let's go seven. Question number seven. Kyle Lowry has played the most playoff games in Raptors franchise history with 84 games played. Who has played the second most playoff games for the Toronto Raptors? It's got to be DeMar DeRozan, right? It does not have to be DeMar DeRozan. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Second most played playoff games for the Toronto Raptors. You are tricky. Can't believe it. Can you check your notes again? I think it's DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> so I actually did double check this because I was I couldn't believe it. But DeMar only played 51 playoff games for the Raptors. And I, I will tell you how much the, the next person did. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, Kyle's number propelled by that four-rounder. Um, is it Siakam then? It is not. With 67 mm. games played, it is Norman Powell. Mm. Would you is believe? That right. Mm-hmm. I would not right. believe. That All right, wild. Andrew, back to you. We got a tie game. That was a good one. Uh, number three. Question number three. In 2019, Andrew, Kyle Lowry and teammate Matt Thomas performed for the National Ballet of Canada's production of this popular ballet. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I have no clue. The Nutcracker, I don't know. Andrew, that is correct! Yes! <laughs> For the one ballet points. everyone knows. I know, that's, uh, my son is 
playing piano and he's playing like all these songs from the Nutcracker. So like that's the only that's just fresh fresh in the mind. No, it's right? a good one. <laughs> all right, Tess. There are two yeah. questions left. Number five, number eight. Uh, let's make it uh, five. In January 2007, the Raptors became the first NBA franchise to sweep the monthly awards. Player of the Month, Rookie of the Month, and Coach of the Month all went to the Raptors. To get all the points, tell me who won each of those awards. Player of the Month, Rookie of the Month, Coach of the Month. Well, I'll do the Rookie and the Coach because I'm pretty sure that Andrea Bargnani was Rookie of the Month. Okay. Not telling you if it's right or wrong. Right okay. Okay. Uh, Sam Mitchell, Smitch was coach of the year or coach of the month, okay. I should say. Okay. Okay. And uh, Christopher Wesson Bosch must have been player of the month. That is correct. No tricks here. That was an easy one. Nice. And we now have a tie game. Going into the final oh. question, Andrew, to beat Tasmelis, longtime Raptors fan. Jeez. You have to get this question right. The Raptors have selected ninth in the NBA draft three different times during wow. their franchise history. Name all three number nine picks. Mm. Mm. <sighs> <sighs> I just don't. This is, this is, this is killing me out. I can't think of this third one. Oh, it's too bad. What, too what, bad. What if we 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 agree to say the first two at the same time? And okay. Then we have a competition. <laughs> we have a competition for the third one. Maybe we get a hint, and then we have a. Oh, okay, okay, interesting, interesting. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Sure, I'm throwing, sure. Throwing Let, it out there. Let's do it. So I'm going to count down from three. I'll say three, two, one. You will both say the first name <laughs> that you want to say. Now you could say different names. Yeah, that's, that's true. Thing. But that's um, okay. I have a feeling. The third one that you don't know is the same for both of you. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's yeah. go. Okay. Three. Okay. Can we so say both at the same time? Should we say yes. the what two names the or one name? Yes. Yes. Say both names. Say both names. Let's go with the year. Oh, both names that we know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, go yes. ahead. Okay. Yeah, sure. Three, two, one. DeRozan, DeRozan and Ross. Oh no! It's not <laughs> Valanciunas. Oh, see, I was even wrong. You both Terrence got Ross. it wrong. You DeRozan both got Terrence it wrong. Ross. No. Oh, no. oh, he was he was eight. He was uh, eight. Wow. Okay, we've never had this in the history nice. of Andrew versus the Beat, where you both got the question wrong. So uh, <laughs> here's what we're gonna do. You you both did get DeRozan correct. There are yeah. still two names left. Now, I will at this point I will say the first person to shout it out <laughs> will win. The first person to shout it out. You can just start throwing out names. It wasn't Michael Bradley. Nope. Um, Is he going uh, through uh, Alexander Radojevic? No. Nope, 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 nope. nope. Not Radojevic, not Radojevic. Oh, 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 oh. Just shouting out names. Just shouting out names. Not Patrick Patterson. Ed Davis? No. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Who could it be? Anyone could win any second if the name <laughs> just comes to them. Uh, Who's going to get it? Wasn't my P. Uh, wasn't wasn't T. Was T Mac. T Mac. Yes. Yes. Oh. Grady. Tracy Grady and Taz pulls it out at the last <sighs> second. And do you want to know who the third one was? Yeah. Give us a year. Give yes, us a year. Yes, please. Uh. Very recent, like 2016 maybe or 15, somewhere around there. 2016, 15. It's not 15. Uh, 17, it's 17. Oh, Jakob. Jakob Pertl. Nice. Jakob Pertl. Wow. What a game. What a game. Andrew. Andrew, oh, Andrew, Andrew. That was tough. That, that was, was fun. That was tough. Oh, you know what? I saved, I saved myself by... Saying that two name at the same time because you would have said DeRose. Oh, you would have to. You were gonna say both. Eh, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Andrew, you said Valentunas, right? Yeah, that was yeah. bad. That was in hindsight horrific. 
So horrific, uh, catastrophic, <laughs> horrific. It's I'm I'm embarrassed. <laughs> oh man, Tass, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate you. Everybody knows where we can find you on Twitter, and everybody knows to listen to No Dunks, anyways. But you should be doing that if you like the NBA, if you like podcasts, you should be listening to No Dunks. Uh, thanks so much, Tass. It was this was fun. Thanks, guys. All right, Andrew, it is once again time to spin the Wheel of Fandom. Our digital wheel once started with 30 teams, now down to only three. The Portland Trailblazers, the Indiana Pacers, and the Charlotte Hornets. Who will be one of our final teams for Wheel of Fandom? Spinning the wheel. Oh, man. Here we go. And our Who's team for next be? week will be the Portland Trailblazers. Your hometown team, Blazers, Al. A hometown team, a team that despite living in Portland, I cannot watch their games. So I'm going to have to go to the bar <laughs> all of these games. Oh, no. Shout oh, out to man. Root Sports. Nice. Uh, tune in next week as we talk about the Blazers and everything else that happens in the NBA. Thanks so much for subscribing to The Athletic NBA Show, for listening to our show. Uh, it means a lot to us that you would listen. Thanks to Tass Mellis of No Dunks also for joining the show. That was just a treat. I hope that you guys enjoyed that. If you did, please send Tass a, uh, a tweet or something nice, just thanking him for joining uh, our podcast. Uh, I'm going to read a five-star Apple Podcast review. All right, Al, this review comes from, it's, uh, of course it would come from an account that's called this. It's called Thunder Up, and it says Saturday Slam and Jam. It says Saturday pods are the most useful pod out there to dig into what's going on league-wide. Love the fresh content, not just a bunch of regurgitated takes. Thank you so much for that five-star review. If you have a five-star review for us, please leave it. Leave a note. Make sure that you write Slam and Jam in it, and we will read it on the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the basketball as well. And we will talk to you guys again next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.